episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Oro, formerly known as Aloe Recovery. Oro was created by our friend Bob Forrest and his friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission to create a facility that treats addicts and alcoholics with compassion and connection rather than control. Their staff has decades and decades of experience in treating addiction and co-occurring mental health disorders, including SMI. You know what I'm talking about. They make sure that when you go to Oro, you are treated like a person, which is great considering how many places we go and we're treated like a number. They have amenities you wouldn't believe. The sound bath meditation, the equine therapy, the surfing, the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge, and so much more. They also boast a detox that is as comfortable as possible, which is critical if you're going to fucking treatment and detoxing. You want a comfortable detox. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I highly recommend going to Oro. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our great friends at Soberlink. At Soberlink, somebody cares about your recovery. Unfortunately, relapse is so common, especially when it comes to alcohol, because it is widely available and highly prevalent in many social settings. That's why having true accountability and a deterrent from drinking is so important for staying sober. Soberlink has been empowering and helping people with alcohol use disorder since 2011 and is trusted by hundreds of treatment facilities. The Soberlink system consists of a portable handheld device that documents proof of sobriety in real time, keeping you connected to your family, friends, sponsor, treatment professional, recovery coach, or anyone else who worries about your well-being. As an exclusive offer to our listeners, Email info at soberlink.com and mention Dopey for 50 bucks off your device. Do it for that someone who cares. Let Soberlink help you to stay off of the sauce. And check them out at soberlink.com slash dopey. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our good friends at Knocking Doors Down, a podcast 
with the mission to end the stigma around addiction and mental health with humorous, honest, and vulnerable conversations featuring guest celebrities, experts, and everyday people. Some of their guests include Charlie Sheen, Bam Margera, Kelly Osborne, AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys, Cheryl Burke from Dancing with the Stars, Denise Richards, Butch Patrick from the Munsters, Kurt Engel, and many more, including me. I was just on on October 11th. You can listen to me on Knocking Doors Down. You can find Knocking Doors Down on all of the great places where you find your podcasts and they have full interview videos on YouTube or check them out at kddpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Dopey the podcast on drugs, addiction, and other dumb shit. And my name is Dave, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Very exciting week. Very exciting week of Dopey. Last week, I'm sure a lot of you tuned in for the illustrious Dr. Carl Hart, and I have to say the reaction has been bananas. It's like if a normal guest has one reaction, Dr. Carl had had like, a million reactions. I cannot believe how abuzz the Dopey Nation is with with controversial opinions. So I appreciate that. I wish you would talk about every show like that. I thought The Good Doctor was interesting. And actually, this week on Patreon, we kind of talked about The Good Doctor some more. This week on Patreon is old school dope uh, Billy Baru, a.k.a. Randy, who took me and Chris out to a steak dinner in 2016 and predicted Dopey would be gigantic. And I don't think we've hit the Randy level of giganticness yet, but we are on our way, and I want to thank you guys for that. I think because of you guys, we are by far the most important podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. By far. We offer you guys a nice sanctuary for drug addicts and alcoholics to feel a part of to feel included and to be honest i'm really really proud of it i'm proud of where the old dopey show has gotten i'm proud of the dopey nation i'm proud of myself i'm proud of producer sam and i'm proud of all of you guys who have stuck it out with us who are in the trenches listening to the show maybe some of you are sober maybe some of you are trying to get sober maybe some of you are still using and your freak flag is flying which i have no problem with i just i don't know i find it crazy the idea of using and listening to dopey but maybe it's like a, a, an ideal it's like it's like a, a hope a dream I get it. I've been hearing so much more from fans on social media places and they say how much the show means to them. And I have to say, anybody who reaches out to me, it really means a ton to me. I never expected to be in a situation like that. And I love our community. And I know I said it last week, but I'm going to say it again. My grand intention, I don't know if you guys believe in quantum energy. I'm not sure that I do, but they say you set an intention and then you can realize said, said intention. And my said intention that I'm setting, not setting, but setting, is to quit Katz's next September. That is my intention. I'm setting it. 
And one way that I can get there is if you guys participate in Dopey Patreon. Dopey Patreon is fucking on fire. Like I told you, Randy was on the show this week. I posted a never-before-seen episode of The Last Jewish Waiter, never publicly released. And it was of the 125th Katz's pastrami eating contest featuring legendary competitive eater Joey Chestnut. There's music. I just posted DopeyCon, a video from the first DopeyCon doing Good So Bad, Forever in Debt. There's there's a lot of good shit on there. Support Dopey Patreon at www.patreon.com and help us make Dopey to be better, dopier, and more inclusive. And then also buy gear. Our partner is this fucking company in Cincinnati called SRO Prince, and they are drug addicts like you and I. And when you buy dopey gear, you are helping addicts, and we have really cool shit. We have this new dopey Frankenstein shirt. I think we still have some dead Bertha hoodies and long sleeves. Check it out at dopeypodcast.com. Support the show. That's enough of my advertising this shit, but your support is incredibly appreciated. I'm going to tell you a little story about spiritual growth and spiritual pain. Um, Basically, I haven't been going. I kind of hadn't been going to meetings enough, you know, maybe once or twice a week. And as you guys know, I've been beefing at work and having problems and feeling crazy. So everyone's like, you got to go to more meetings. So on Saturday, now I go to meetings both days on the weekends and I try to find a weekday to go. And on Saturday, I went on Friday, I went to the meeting Saturday, I went to the meeting and Sunday, I went to the meeting. But on Saturday, when I went there, there was this speaker, this guy named Neil, and he's, um, he's just an amazing guy, an amazing example of like program working and spirituality. And he's just so plugged into higher power shit. And, you know, he knew every fucking prayer and he was just so about his recovery. He does everything like through the 12 steps. And I was like, Oh my God, I need to be like this guy, Neil. This meeting was amazing. I feel so good. And I went home and, uh, you know, basically I also, I also decided on Saturday morning that I was going to bike to the meeting and I live like five miles away from the meeting. So I left early to get to the meeting and I, and I don't bike quickly. I bike very slowly. And I biked home from the meeting slowly. So I left for the meeting at around 7. And I got home for the meeting probably at 10. Linda's cooking breakfast for the kids. Everything's kind of a mess. And she was annoyed when I got home. And I was all full of the spirit and imbibed with God and all this shit. But when she was annoyed, I got super pissed off. And then all of a sudden, all of my spiritual growth was out the window and I was super angry. And then I started like cleaning the kitchen and smashing plates and, and bang every door, every cabinet while I put the dishes away, I smashed the dishwasher. I smashed every mug. I smashed into the dishwasher and I was feeling that like high off the self-righteous anger. But I was also like, I knew that something was amiss, that if I had gotten this spiritual answer, how could I be so fucking pissed after the meeting? But I I was like, I was mad. Like, how could she be mad at me? And, um, which is self-centered anger. Anyway, I went upstairs. She was going to take Susan to, uh, this pumpkin patch without me. 
And then Susan looked at me and she said, Daddy, why are you so mad at Mommy? And I was like, oh, my God. And I realized like that I went crazy and I turned it around and I apologized. And then I went to the pumpkin patch with Linda and Susan and it all it got better. And the funny part is like we go to these meetings. I go to the meeting to feel better. I go there to get some kind of message to fine tune my spiritual condition and and I'm pedaling along, you know, on a beautiful fall day, feeling like perfectly great, like everything is great. And then I get home and her being unhappy just rocks me. And it just goes to show that like we can feel a certain way in a meeting and then we can forget it as soon as we leave or even in the meeting. You know, someone says something stupid and you're like, look at this fucking guy. And it's like when I got home and I heard Susan say that, that was like the universe telling me that I was out of, out of pocket, that I was out of check. And it's like, it's great to go to meetings. It's great to feel spiritually connected through meetings. But obviously the most important thing is to try and, and live it when you're not there and try to like not be a jerk off and a dick and someone can get angry at you without you being a fucking asshole. And that was a good lesson for me. And the other crazy thing was that Today on the show, we have this guy, Jay Moore, and I, I interviewed him on Friday before I went to the meeting, and Jay Moore was so fired up spiritually that I was like, I was like screaming my head off to go to the meeting, and then, and then I found that like his, what he talked about in the interview you're going to hear was totally echoed by Neil, and the only person who wasn't spiritually connected was me when I came home from the meeting. So that's the work, the work. And it's not like God is going to fucking strike me down with some kind of thunderbolt. The idea is just to remember like that everything is okay. You know, everything is, it's like acceptance is a weird thing because acceptance is like, I accept, you know, that I don't do dopey full time. I accept that I'm not as physically fit as I would like to be. I accept X, Y, and Z. But if I accept that I'm good right now, that's what's important. You know, I'm in a good spot. They say it, the thing, one of the cliches that I've always hated at the meeting is, uh, you know, be where your feet are. And it's like, I can complain from here to next year, but right now I'm sitting in a comfortable chair and things are okay. You know, and e even if things weren't okay, there would be something okay enough to hold on to. And the other thing that I've been thinking a lot about it's like I talk to so many people in recovery that aren't doing 12-step recovery, and they always tell me like the percentage of 12-step people that make it or don't make it. And then I always so cleverly say, well, it works if you work it, because I'm like this douchebag 12-step guy at this point. But it occurred to me, whatever fucking recovery shit you're doing works if you work it. Like if you're whatever you're doing has the capacity to work. If it's smart re recovery or Dharma recovery or anything, it has the capacity to work if you're actually doing it, if it's therapy or exercise or whatever. So forget, you know, yes, 12 step recovery works if you work it, but whatever you work at will work because you're working at it. That's it. That's as far as I'm going with this highfalutin stuff. That's my nice message to you guys. So whatever you're working at works because you're working it. But you know what also works? 
is therapy. And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Check out betterhelp.com slash dopey podcast. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Unload the stressors and get some unbiased feedback. You'd be pretty surprised at what you might gain from it. See if it's for you. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and dopey listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash DopeyPodcast. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash DopeyPodcast. And here we go. Fucking really, 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 really fun interview. He's somebody that I really admire. His name is Jay Moore. You might know him from such movies as... Jerry Maguire, he was in Go, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, Suicide Kings, Picture Perfect, Pauly, Mafia. He was on Saturday Night Live. He has his own podcast called More Stories. He has a sports show, or he had a sports show called, uh, I think, Jay Moore Sports. Anyway, his name is Jay Moore. He's a good dude. So don't change the channel. Don't check who's on Joe Rogan or something, because here is Jay Moore. I'm incredibly excited for this guest. You're a very, very big guest for us. Just so you know, if you don't feel like a very important guest, you're a huge guest. Can I list some of your accolades before they know who you are? Sure, but yeah. What? What are you going to say? They might be let down a little like, oh, I thought it was, I, I, maybe they aim higher than you is what I'm saying. I bet you lots of people aim higher than me, but I told a couple people <laughs> that I was talking to you and they were like, holy shit, I love that guy. Oh, right on. Just now, I talked to a cop from Yapank, New York, and he's like, "Oh shit, I love Jay Moore." I'm big in Yapank. Yeah, and then and then and then my my producer, he's like, "I love Jay Moore." This author I talked to, she says, "I love Jay Moore." So you are love, Jay Moore. I am love. Took me a long time to figure that out, buddy. That's nice, though. It's a good deal. It sure is, dude. I just watched you do a bit where you played Norm Macdonald, Adam Sandler. And Harvey Keitel as Antony in the classic Goodfellas scene, and I just couldn't stop laughing. You are incredibly talented. Well, it's great, you know. Uh, I'm doing Norm up. <laughs> well, you know, I love Norm's bit about alcoholism and whether or not it's a disease. He goes, I don't know if it's a disease. You know, like my uncle Gene has bowel cancer. That's a that's a disease. You know, you compare the symptoms. Like, hey. Hey, Uncle Gene, what are your symptoms? Ah, every morning, ah, I wake up and I pray for death. <laughs> ah, the pain is too much. Ah, ah, hey, alcoholic, <laughs> alcoholic, what are your symptoms? Ah, I get real happy. Exactly. So, sometimes I meet somebody else with my disease and I, I try to fuck them. Exactly. So let me ask you this. Like, when did you realize that you, do you think alcoholism is a disease, first of all? And second of all, uh, when did you find out you had it or whatever? Well, of course, I believe it's a disease because I believe in science and I definitely have a mental obsession and I have a physical allergy. You know, like my mind tells me it'll be different this time. It'll be OK. Like, or I can use this different drug. 
I can use Vicodin or Adderall or drink NyQuil and I can still go to meetings because I'm not drinking alcohol. And then once I take the drug, my allergy tells me I never have enough. I am never satisfied. I am insatiable and I have to keep going and going and going even when I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. So that's, I don't think there's any, well, there is no debate. I mean, the American Medical Association in every language you can find those books printed out will tell you it's a disease. And I just, I knew I was an alcoholic May 5th, 1998 was my first AA meeting, but I didn't get clean until seven months ago, March 12th of this year. Wow. Um, but in hindsight, like going through working my steps and my, you know, going through my fourth step, my defects of character and stuff, I realized I was, I was born an addict. Like I was always trying to fill that hole in me. I was always needing more, like more of a good time, more of you, more of your time, more of information, more love, more attention, more validation, validation, validation. And I always felt disconnected. Like well, if you and I grew up together, uh, real quick, if you and I grew up together and we were friends and I was sitting on your couch watching TV, I would spend that entire time trying to figure out how to connect with you. And now that I'm in recovery, I feel completely connected to literally every person and thing in my life. Right. So I was going to say, I was talking to somebody recently about it and they were like, they went to a meeting and somebody was like, alcoholics hate it when people on the street in New York walk too slowly. And he was like, no, people hate it. Alcoholics don't hate it. But like what you're talking about <laughs> is like what separates like alcoholics and addicts from normal people. Like we all want to connect, but alcoholics tend to need it in order to feel like validated and okay. Well, yeah, we have a, 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 por a proportion problem. Like we can't leave half of a bottle of beer on a bar and go someplace. We're like, let me finish this and we'll knock it back and chug it in one gulp where other people like you go out to dinner with like a normie and they have half a glass of wine and they're like, well, I'm starting to feel this. I better stop where that's where you and I are like, no, this is where I get going. Right. Stupid question though. When, when Norm Macdonald does a bit about the disease of alcoholism did he really feel that way about alcoholism were i don't know you'd have to have a seance and ask him but i think it's hilarious but were you were you were you were, were you friendly with him oh yeah that's my man but did he ever talk shit about alcoholism or anything no no no, no. he didn't really talk shit about anybody he's just norm was his own band like he was you know we we're all like poison and cinderella and he was jane's addiction it was like whoa what's that over there yeah, like we're, you know, he was bad brains and we were all like fucking rancid going, I want to be like that over there. <laughs> he had style, you know, he was he was undeniable with style for sure. Um, were you you were at, on Saturday Night Live at the same time as him, right? Yeah, the two years I was there, I was there with Norm Sandler, Spade, Schneider, Farley. Oh, my God, the best ever. Ellen Cleghorn, Julius Sweeney, Kevin Nealon, Phil Hartman, Al Franken, uh, Melanie Hutzel, and who am I, David Tell, Sarah Silverman. Crazy. And like when you're yeah. in that situation and you're an alcoholic and an addict, like, because in the old days, the legend of Saturday Night Live was like John Belushi and the Blues Bar and Coke and Speedballs and blah, blah, blah. What was, was it like that? Was there crazy using at your point or no? For me, it was just drinking beer constantly. And then when I, when I was drunk enough on beer, I'd switch to like scotch and tequila. Or I would always do shots and stuff. I wasn't into drugs. I smoked a lot of weed, but I wasn't like 
an addict on drugs. It was all about that booze. Right. And then once I quit, you know, my story real quick is basically take your time. You don't have to be real I, quick. Just oh, relax. You're welcome here. Oh, I'm, I'm relaxed. You relax. Okay. I'll relax. Sorry, man. As Adam Sandler would say, why <laughs> you relax. Um, I would, I quit drinking. I went to AA to quit drinking and I quit. And then after like a couple months, I was like, well, it's not that big a deal. I, I had a drinking problem. I got it under control. And then I stopped going to meetings. I never worked a program. And then I got addicted to NyQuil. Then I went to AA to get off. I was drinking two bottles of NyQuil. Well, how long were you addicted to NyQuil for? Two years. I would pee green out of my butt. Oh, my, my God. Dick was, my dick looked like a robin's egg on a beanbag chair. It was foul. So that was that the ultimate in denial? You were like, I'm not going to drink alcohol. I'm going to drink two bottles of NyQuil. Uh. I don't know if the ultimate, they're all pretty even. Cause then I went <laughs> back to a, I went back to AA and, um, I quit NyQuil. And then again, after a couple months, I stopped going and then I got addicted to Vicodin. When you, when and you then, quit, when you quit NyQuil and AA, did you say, I'm, I'm, I can't stop drinking NyQuil. Did you talk about it? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, every time I went back to AA, I was super eager to like, blurred it from the mountaintop it's like <laughs> i'm addicted to this i'm addicted to this i'm you know and i'd get phone numbers and stuff and then it was like no nah, i'm okay i just got addicted to nyquil and then i stopped going and then i took over again and then um i got addicted to vicodin i quit that cold turkey didn't go back to aa but a year later i got back on vicodin and then i went to aa why vicodin uh, my dentist gave it to me, and I, I I knew he would give it to me if I asked him. So I asked him for I don't know. I just had that weird trap door in my head. Like there's something I love secrets. I love being able to get away with something. See, I've so I've like, been I drink Nyquil. I, I'm sober six years, and whenever I would get sick, I would be so excited to drink Nyquil. And yeah, then most people aren't excited to drink Nyquil. I know, I know. I've been you know what I've been doing lately, and I haven't told the audience this is uh. I've been taking, I was having all these allergies that night. So I was taking Benadryl um, and, and my daughter jumps in bed with me. So I just, I've been taking, I was taking Benadryl for like 30 days in a row. I just stopped taking it this week because I got nervous about it. Well, that's good. That's, Thank you. You know, that's you working your program, man. That's tight. Well, you know. How so it is. My, my, I do now, finally. My biggest denial was probably this last time I got addicted to Adderall for like the last four years. And I was just fucking out of my mind and i just what i thought was reality was not at all reality i and never I, I, I did so little adderall lay it out for me like who gave it to you first and what happened what was the story i was with somebody that took it a lot and then i just sort of started taking it at her you know what i mean <laughs> explain please explain well, I would use at people like a child, like I'll take my ball and go home. So I would like arrange for it to come to the house or I would go pick it up and then I would just take some out of it and then I would use them. And then it just became more and more. And then I had my own separate addiction in concert with the person that I was with. Like you used with her and then you also used without no, her. I only used alone. I never used with anybody when I was using pills and stuff. But like, it, but it, how, it, how was it Adderall? How was that the drug and what, what? She was, the girl I was with was having really bad cramps and the, the Vicodin dealer told her like, if you take an Adderall, you'll get such a rush of adrenaline, your cramps will go away. And it worked. Wow. And then watching the person 
be relieved of whatever it was, but sort of not really being a part of the relationship, I, um, I, I got like resentful and then I wanted to have something to take. I wanted to, I wanted something to numb my feelings and numb my pain, uh, my, you know, not physical pain, my emotional pain, spiritual pain. And so then I would take it like at like secretly, like, Oh, I got something too. Hmm. And then I just, you know, started watching porn like a psychopath and, you know, just using more and more and more and more and more. And then fast forward four, five, six years, I was, you know, I'd stay up a couple of days in a row. Uh, I was really, people were uncomfortable around me. I, um, I had an intervention March 11th. And it's funny because my buddy told me I was, you know, you can't just tell an addict like, Hey, we're all going to meet at so-and-so's house. Come hang out with us. Cause addicts can sniff that shit out a mile away. Like, no, I'll get the fuck out of here. We'll get on like the nearest rental car or horse and fucking beat it. So I was told this is how out of it. I was, I was told I was going to interview Wu-Tang clan for my podcast at nine in the morning. Were you excited? Who are you going to interview yeah, I, in the Wu-Tang? RZA. The RZA. And I believe, I believe that the RZA rector was going to be at my house at 9 AM, like an idiot, like 9 AM. And I show up for my podcast. I go downstairs to my studio and my buddy comes downstairs. It's me, my producer, and my friend. Then my girlfriend comes downstairs. Then another buddy comes downstairs. Then my sister comes downstairs. She's from New Jersey. I'm in LA. Right. Then another friend comes downstairs. And I actually think, wow, everybody's really excited to watch <laughs> me interview Rizzo. Yeah. I would and be. I I'd be so excited to see you interview the Rizzo. Yeah. But in reality, it's like you're a fucking drug addict and these people are trying to save your life. Yes. Yeah. And then I saw the uh, interventionist and I went, oh, I just knew. I just went, oh, my God. This guy was like a grimy, dirty white guy from Baltimore with like tattoos of pit bulls on his neck. He was bald. <laughs> he had a swastika tattoo on his head that he was having removed, but like right. not fast enough. <laughs> no, you can't get like that removed fast spot, enough. If I could spot your swastika from a stairwell away, it's not, it's <laughs> not fast it's not enough. Me. Right. And you're at the high end of the stairwell and I'm at the bottom like, oh, wow. And uh, he had no teeth. He had his sunglasses on inside my house and he had a hoodie up like pulled like the Unabomber. And when he took me to detox, they actually put him inside and they left me out on the porch. I had like a, a USA wrestling sweatsuit on. I looked like a DuPont. Yes. And they put this guy inside. I'm like, keep an eye on him. He's got some crazy stories. And he probably had like 20 <laughs> years clean, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still friends with him. So what was the time in between uh, like kicking alcohol, kicking NyQuil, kicking Vicodin. What was the period before you got crazy on Adderall? Like, cause those were like the kind of the salad days of your career. You're in a million gigantic movies, Jerry Maguire, Suicide Kings, fucking my favorite movie you did. And, and maybe I'm an idiot is go. I love those that. Are movie. Great movie. I used no, to get wasted fantastic. and watch go. It's an underrated drug movie as well. I agree. I wanted the part that Tim Oliphant has of the uh, drug dealer, but they're like, no, Tim Oliphant has it. So you can either play Zach or Adam. So I read the script. I loved it. And then I had to meet with uh, Doug Lyman, the director and yeah. a bunch of producers. And just to meet with them, it was an offer. And, uh, but they didn't tell me which part and uh, we had a great meeting. And then at the end, they're like, so which part do you want to play Zach or Adam? And I couldn't remember which guy was which. Right. So I go, well, only one of them says go. I didn't know, remember which guy that was. And they're like, all right, we found our Zach. Very like, clever. Very clever. And that's like, a, I, didn't want, I didn't want to be a bottom. Yeah. You were, and you were a gay detective, right? 
a gay soap opera star that played a detective on the soap Right, opera. right, right. Man, that movie was so fun and very underrated as a drug movie. I agree. As a drug, I, know, I mean, I just as a movie. Period. I think it's one of one of the greats. It's a great '90s fucking wild fun style movie for sure and but like in that period you're around you know that's a very answer your question what it was like in between was if you picture like an ekg chart like going bit 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 up and down and the ups and the downs are sort of like like a quarter of the way up the screen up down up down that was me like high not high high drunk not drunk high drunk not drunk high not drunk up and then when it gets to like 2000 16 it just goes woof, up to the top and it just stays up there so i've always able to manage uh i mean i got my own way plenty like uh acting like an addict but it wasn't until adderall that like the wheels came off the fucking bus man and what did it look like it looked like well at my intervention i hadn't acted in two years and if you look at my IMDb page, it's like I go from Keanu Reeves and Al Pacino to like doing direct to DVD talking dog movies. Right. It's like, this is Chewy Vuitton. He's going to go to Bark Williams to get a massage when he's done shopping at Grooming Dales. And yes. that wasn't even like one of the dogs. I was like the receptionist. <laughs> I was like the receptionist at the dog spa. Um, it's, that's what it looked like. But and it's it funny like, though, because like people will say, you know, people talk about hair. I mean, I was a heroin addict or, or like there's, you know, a crack addict and this and not. And, and they, they tend to minimize the impact a drug like Adderall can have on a person. And you were you dabbling with the super hard drugs in that? The kind no, of, no. I mean, I, no, I, I was straight Adderall and weed. And I had some Adderall that I know was like pressed with math. I could tell because I couldn't break them apart. And then when I would snort it, it felt like somebody was like sitting on my chest. I was like, holy fuck. But I just wrote it out. How much would and, you do um, at a time? I would wake up, swallow a 30, snort 15, get my coffee, snort another 15, take my son to school, come home, take a 30, swallow 30, snort another 15. Oh and my this God. is so that's 9 a.m. Wow. And then I would just keep going during the day. I've since March 12th, I've saved $20,000 on pills. Right, right. And I had a prescription on top of it that I lied to a doctor to get. Did you take anything because you like the up was too uncomfortable? Yeah, I'm I'm bipolar type two, and I was diagnosed only like four years ago. Right. And so I take an antidepressant and a mood stabilizer. Would that work? Like when you're when you're ripping crazy on Adderall, like is that enough? Who knows? Right. Who knows? You know, I mean, I was really in a fantasy world. Like at my intervention, this is where this is my bottom. My uh, best friend became my agent, Matt Frost. Like he's not an agent who I'm best friends with because that's that's always going to be conditional. This is like my guy that I groomed to be my stand-up comedy agent, so right. no one would ever be effing me. That's my motherfucking man. He did my intervention, and he was crying, and he was like, "We took a vow that we'd always like look out for each other. This is that. This is that time, bro." And he told me he wouldn't book me anymore. Like this is my brother. And he said, all the improvs, all the comedy stores, all the theaters. And it was evident because my calendar was barren, empty. And he said, no one would hire me anymore. The word was out. I was a mess. And he said, in February, I did the Tempe Improv. And he said, I was such a mess in February at the Improv that it, it was a problem. Like, and it got around like the country. Don't hire this guy. He's a fucking mess. 
And he said the audience filled out comment cards that said, like, this was awful. This is uncomfortable. We, we're watching a fallen star. He's a bum. He's missing teeth. He's on stage. He's shaky. He's sweaty. He can't remember his jokes. And that terrified me because I thought the weekend went great. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. I made classic. a ton of money. I made 14 grand for three nights. And I spent two nights barebacking an escort named Meow Meow. Yes. I thought it was fucking great. I don't know if that's her Christian name. Maybe it's I, Meow Smith or see, Angela Meow. I got you. Angela Meow. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I just, that terrified me that I thought the weekend went great. Everybody else was the problem. The reality that stand-up comedy was done until I go to treatment. The reality that all the people in the room that are closest to me agreed that I was that fucked up. The reality that each person that shared at my intervention said that when they did come over once in a while, it was to check on the welfare of my son. That scared the shit out of me. Right. Because I thought everything was okay. But also, what am I going to do? I'm going to get a job? Like, I'm going to go work at fucking Home Depot? Hey, you were in Jerry Maguire. Yeah. Uh, so here's the Phillips head. Exactly. You know, like, what am I going to Like, I don't have any skills except stand-up comedy. None. Like, I can't. Like, I'm a fucking dope. Creatively, I'll bury you at your family reunion in front of your fucking potato salad. I don't give a shit. <laughs> right. But that really terrified me. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll go right now. Like, I didn't even want. Also, I didn't want them to read their uh, bottom line letters, like their consequences. They didn't letters. read the letters? No, I interrupted everybody. I said, just so everyone knows I'm going. Right. We don't even have to finish this. Let me ask you was, this. Let me ask you let this. Let me tell real, you this real please, quick. You'll please, like please. It. That was like the first miracle because in faster than that snap of my finger like in a in a blink of an eye i realized if they read those letters i am going to die a junkie because i use at people and i'm mr self-pity mr woe is me no one understands me and if my girlfriend told me she was going to kick me out or she was going to move away i would use so hard right that. if my buddy said he was going to book me i'd use it that if my friend said i he wouldn't be friends with me anymore i would and it scared the shit out of me Right. Well, that, then you did the right thing. It makes sense. You know the expression when they talk about how hard it is to drink, uh, it, how hard it is to drink uh, with a belly full of AA, that expression? Yeah, a belly full of booze and a head full of AA. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you. I fucked up the expression. I had it for sure. So you, when, when, when you're fucking with the Adderall, was it constantly you were like, oh my God, the check's in the mail. I know this is not going to end well. I'm fucked the whole way or did you think you were going to make it because it was supposed to be like limitless drug where it makes you smarter and more focused and shit that's a good question uh the here's the thing is i lied to myself for a couple years and then when i started running out of adderall like the the times there'd be like a three-day lag between re-upping and and not having any i i couldn't open my eyes like my body just went to sleep. Right, shut down. Like my eyes, literally, I could not, it wasn't like even sleeping. I could not keep my eyes open. I couldn't walk, talk, nothing. And that's when I started realizing this, but I kept going for like three more years. And the drug was such like a mind blast that it obliterated any thought of, okay, tomorrow I'm not gonna do this. I'm not, I'm, I, need, I knew I needed help. And I kept so many secrets that I even kept wanting to get well a secret from the people around me. I prayed for an intervention, Dave. Like, I prayed to God that I could have an intervention and have a detox to get off this shit. 
as I was snorting, you know, and so I knew I was fucked, but the drug itself sort of like put the bright light in yeah. my brain so bright that it obliterated any rational thought. Cause it's it wasn't like, like mm. I'll quit tomorrow. And then I use tomorrow and I feel bad. I never had my mind still enough to have one singular thought to get to the end of that thought. I took so little Adderall in my drug using career. And I was always convinced that if I had taken more of it, like, like that dopey would be the Joe Rogan podcast. Cause I would get so much done, <laughs> but like, I, I imagine when you first take it, right. When you first take it, that you're full of ideas and like, you can think clearly. And is oh, that... I wrote a book on Adderall. I wrote a poetry book and it's, and it's great. <laughs> That's and, awesome. What's yeah, it called? Like I wrote script. Uh, it's called accelerant. Okay. I'll send you a copy. Please. Oh, I would love to. Yeah. And um, just when we're done, uh, text me your address. And yeah, but then it it goes full circle where you start something and you like if you're doing the alphabet, you get to like B and then you go start a different alphabet and you get to B. Then you're going to put all your money in sequential order facing the same way and you get the 30 bucks and then you find an extra chapstick and you got to organize all your chapsticks and right. then you're late for everything because you can't get out of your fucking house. Right. Like I couldn't get out of my car or my house. No, I, I hear you. Did you ever hear of this book? There's a book called uh, Attention, A Love Story About Adderall. No. It's this woman named Casey Schwartz. Thank you for that. She wrote for the New York Times and she was on Adderall for years and the book is really good. I told, I'll, send, I'll send you a copy for Expectorant. I have an extra copy of that book. Accelerant. Accelerant. Expectorant. Like yeah, it's a, that's the NyQuil. The that's the NyQuil book. It's called Expectorant. Yeah, I'm the accelerant. Like, I, I'm gasoline on a fire. When I react to a problem, nobody remembers what the problem was. So how do, I mean, like, I have a lot of questions, but how different is, I got is, nothing but time. How different is it now? Like, like, it sounds like you put yourself through fucking hell. You know, I was, I was telling another friend of mine, okay, that you were coming you on. I have, I have, I, yeah, I, 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 Me too. I it's great, you know? Um, but and, when you were using, how many friends did you have? I didn't have, I didn't have many. Right. I didn't have right. many. And I, and it's I didn't amazing. really care. I was such a fucking piece of shit. It didn't even matter. <laughs> um, but I have this friend and he's an editor. And uh, like a Hollywood editor guy. guy. Yeah, well, he, let me tell you the story. I don't know if you're going to think joking. this is funny or not. He was working on a show in Sundance years ago in like the early 2000s. And you were doing a thing. You were like performing. And he was cutting all the people as they performed. He did something with you and something with Bob Odenkirk. And, uh, and oh, he was there with Whitney Cummings, I think. I don't know. You were with Barry okay. Katz, is what I was. I that's the only piece of the story that I'm sure of. You were with hey, man. You were with Barry Katz, and you go back, and my my friend's wearing a Wilco shirt, and you look at him, and you're like, "Oh, you think they're good, huh?" <laughs> or I something. Yeah. I don't know. It was some fucking thing. But like, yeah, I have a visceral reaction to Wilco. Like, uh, it's like Clippers gear. I'm like, uh, why not Wilco? They're just too Wilco for me. It's like Sting is too Sting for me. Steve Martin's a little too Steve Martin for me. Russell Brand can be a little too Russell Brand for me. I got you. And Wilco's just like, all right. Well, the question. One of the best band names ever, but yeah, go ahead. One of the question is like you, I mean, like you kind of, and I saw that interview. I saw, I saw a clip of you on the radio. I think it was Opie and Anthony and the Iron Sheik was on. And you, and you fucking went to town on the sheik, and the sheik looked like he was gonna start crying, right? No, he was gonna get up and he pissed his pants. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just called up as like Jimmy from Queens and I said I'd kick his ass. I was outside waiting to beat him up. And he goes, come on, you cocksucker. I'll fuck your ass. <laughs> champ one, number one champ one. He's the best. But, but well, he what got, was the question, though? The question is, like, do you feel like, you know, part of your, your shtick has been to fuck with people? And how does it fit in with sobriety? It doesn't at all. And so, I, 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 I will. I, um, that's, I was a maniac, dude. Like, I was a fucking maniac i either felt you know people say i either feel superior to you or way beneath you i felt both simultaneously right that's the attic and, the, the piece of shit at yeah. the center of the universe right but in if so if you put one hand up and you go above it with your other hand and below it and you keep going back and forth in one motion all the time but then in sobriety the hands come together like I'm folding my hands nice, and I just feel connected and peaceful. And I, I don't, I don't like it. I, I, you know, if I had to make amends to everybody I did that to, I would die exhausted. I would never stop. Is it uncomfortable it just, though? Is it, how uncomfortable is it that your superpower is to kind of be a dick? Was, was. Okay. Either way. Yeah. I mean, there's ways to make this work well, for mean, you I, in recovery was, too. I mean, it was, if you ask Bill Burr about that, because he was in studio, he'll tell you it was like the greatest day of his life. It was amazing. I, I it loved it, too. Sh- I, lo- I loved it. Chic. There was one fall guy to be, <laughs> so I would make the greater aggregate happy. <laughs> so I would pick the, the, uh, the gazelle at the end of the herd and pick him off so the other gazelle would be like he's not eating us. This is great. Exactly. That's the comics, but, that's the comics thing, right? Uh some it was mine and now it's just i kind of when i'm on stage now i pick myself off and i go watch how i pick myself off here look at what i was doing in rehab look at what happened when i went to detox and i shit my pants look what happened when i got caught jerking off in rehab and i didn't know the lady was going to come in and check my meds when did you get did you really get caught jerking off in rehab yeah, I was I was at rehab up north, and was, I went to two rehabs back to back. And the first one was all men's Christian rehab. It was just beans, rice, and Jesus Christ. Is that what and their so, thing was? Beans, rice, and Jesus no, Christ. No, it's just something I made up. I like it. And then then my buddies were on a Zoom call with me, and they're like, "Okay, good. Now we're gonna send you to this other rehab." And I was like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me!" Like I thought I was getting coined out. <laughs> but I didn't say no. Like that was an act of providence. The fact that instead of saying go fuck yourselves, I just kept saying I'm not saying no. But my heart was in my stomach. I thought I was going home to see my son and get back into reality. Because you know, honestly, when you're in rehab, it's it's like living in a snow globe, and it's it because it needs to be. You're bowl you're bowling with like bumpers in the gutters so you don't hit gutter balls. Yeah, but that's what you need. And after a while, you're like when you have some sobriety, like after like 25, 26 days, you're like, this is now sort of terminal velocity. I need to go out and actually be in society sober. But I wasn't at all emotionally sober. Anyway, I went up to the second rehab finally. Uh, I went right away. And it was the first time I'd seen a woman. It was a co-ed rehab. And it's the first time I saw a woman, like the intake nurse was this giant like Jamaican woman. And I was just like, ooh, curves. She looks like a crumb drawing. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, ooh. And then when I went to my room to quarantine because of COVID for like four days, my room overlooked like this kitchen of this, of this house. And this lady was walking around her house in like a little bathrobe. And I was like, oh, this fucking lady's going to get it tonight. <laughs> so 
I realized if I stood on the window ledge on the inside of the in, inside, I could see more inside of her kitchen. So I had one foot on the window ledge. One, I never told the story before. One foot on the bed, so my legs were like a fucking like you, like Yosemite Sam. Oh my god! And I remember I was I was like my dick barely worked. I was like I'm still coming off of fucking Adderall. It takes a while. So I'm like stroking down, <laughs> like I'm like, jerking off a horse. And the nurse comes in and she's like, "Man," and I'm like, "I just popped off the ledge." I'm like, "Can you see if you can get the ceiling fan to work?" Oh my god! Thank God I had my shorts on and I was going up there fucking pant leg in my shorts because if I was naked, wow. I don't know. I appreciate that story because everybody in rehab <laughs> we have never to. Told that story well, I, I think it's in, you're telling it to the right people. You're telling it to the right person. Oh, I got no secrets anymore. I don't give a fuck. It's like, and your bit, your 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 uh, your tour is called Straight Out of Rehab. Like there must be yeah. like, so you're not using that in the material yet. No, that's going to go in. I just got to figure out a punchline more than can you fix the ceiling fan, but that'll go in. Yeah, I got a show tonight uh, in, here in L.A., so I'll fucking see if I can throw that in there. But um, Throw it in there. Yeah. And when you, do, when you do straight out of rehab afterwards, are people coming up to you that can relate? They're drug addicts, whatever, or like what are they saying to you? Well, there's not really a lot of meet and greets because of COVID. Right. But I, you, you can tell when you're on stage when something's landing. And, you know, with I like the quiet, like when you get a room really quiet because everyone's really listening and they're listening so much that they're not even uncomfortable where somebody's like, yeah, or like yelling something out and they're leaning toward you. So I can tell when it's really quiet, like I fucking have them by the balls and I can tell like parts. It's kind of like an hour of stand up, but. 20 minutes of it is a little like one man show because I'm just going this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and it's not all laughs but right. I can tell they're completely down but and you can hear them going like oh you know I was in Point Pleasant New Jersey and this big mook in the front row like Dice's nephew was just <laughs> you're like yeah yeah and then I'm telling a story and I look down and the guy's like fucking wiping his eyes crying it was about my son. I was like, holy shit. Like, I couldn't look him in the eye because I would have started crying too. Right. So, like, things like that, you know, you're connecting. But you know what? That's the job of, a, of an alcoholic and an addict is to carry the message to alcoholics. So I have an opportunity when I go on stage to carry the message and make it hilarious at my own expense. And that's, that's me working my program at my job. Well, it's brilliant. And also like sometimes stand-up comedy is too many it's too many punchlines. So the fact that you can go into this sensitive place said no one said no one ever. Well, I'm no fan of comedy. <laughs> I don't know anything about that comedy. Show, that show had was just too funny all the time. I'm not saying funny. I'm saying that like when you can get sensitive and you I can know, bring I'm breaking some, your balls. No, I'm playing. I'm playing too. I'm with you. Um, I, I'm like the worst, like I did stand up comedy twice and I did really well one time and I did really badly another time, but I have a lot of like envy for you guys. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I had tried harder to do it. It's fucking so well, cool. Who, you know, that's my, stopping you? I, I have two kids and, and I, and I can't so? stay up late. I go to bed early. Oh, uh, yeah. I that's can't cool. stay up late. But you're doing this. This is great. I know you're funny on this. No, I, I love doing this. Um, how is it going with your kids straight out of rehab? It's, it's amazing. Uh, I mean, my son started little league and it's, um, I'm just present. 
like I'm, I was talking to him this morning because how old is uh, he? He's ten. He turned ten when I was in rehab. Right. I was a kick in the nuts, man. Right. And this morning it was me, him, and uh, the nanny that comes over. She's been with me like my whole life with both boys. I got an eighteen-year-old at University of Oregon, different moms, and um, she, I was like, "You did really good yesterday when we were throwing the ball around." And then the nanny goes, "I remember it used to be really different." Oh my gosh! And I was like, "What?" Mm. And then she told me like how I made each of them fucking cry. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I have no memory of it. Like that's the disease. Like I forget how bad it was. I so, need to hear that. Stuff. What did she say? Like, how did you make them cry? It's it's never a specific thing. It's just like a really. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna just go by my uh, deduction. It, it it's an overall pressing energy of like no, like this, this way, no, like just being so controlling, kind of thing. Controlling and so frustrated when mm. people don't get it. Right. Right. I, I have a, an 11 year old and a three year old. And as I was running upstairs to get ready for this, I was because nobody they don't care about dopey. You know what I mean? It's not a thing. Uh, but I'm imagining like when my 11 year old becomes 18 and she's, you know, they can't not drink or smoke weed at some point. Right. It's very rare that a kid doesn't do it at some point. And I wonder, like, when they will look is your 18 like does your 18 year old party at all? He's he's okay though, you know, and he's aware. Do you and tell him the whole story? Yeah, I mean that's what it is, you know. It's I called. They told my ten-year-old uh, that I was working on a show in Atlanta while I was in rehab, and then when I was in the second rehab, I realized this kid's gonna wonder where the hell his dad is because I was incommunicado, radio silent for it was, you know, coming up on five weeks, and I called him. And I just confessed everything to him because he's, he's my guy, you know, he's he's like my best friend. And I just told him, like, I'm sick, but it's nothing you need to be scared about. I mean, it's not a hospital. It's more like a hotel. And I said, you know, I told him, you know, do you know what drugs are? And then and like, he knows what, like booze and stuff. I said, well, I have a disease where if I have one, I can't stop. And all those times I'd go to the bathroom for a long time. I was using drugs. And I'm really sorry. And all the times I was really frustrated with you, that was because of drugs. Mm. And I'm really sorry. And he's like, it's, he was just like, it's okay. Like he just said, it's okay. It was, inc and I was like overcome with gratitude. And I said, well, I'm sorry, Mr. Birthday, because he turned 10. He goes, it's okay. Right. I said, but you know, grandma, I was 10 when she came out of, my mom got sober when I was 10. I go in, grandma came out of rehab, I was 10. Isn't that cool? He goes, no, it's a miracle. Wow. And that's a 10 year, that's a 10 year old dude. Seems and I just started sobbing. Yeah. It makes me want to cry right now. I've never cried on dopey and I, I almost kind of feel like crying now. And my friend died and I never cried. Uh, this is serious, <laughs> serious stuff, man. It's, that's amazing. It's seriously amazing. Um, because like, that's why we laugh though, Dave, if you don't laugh, you cry. Yeah, <laughs> that's why you carried on. That's why you got back on the air with the podcast. You just, you just, you look. Life is about attendance, honesty, and repetition. Man, you got to keep fucking showing up, right? Because you, you something good could happen. Up. I was, I mean, like we're doing this fucking stupid YouTube channel right now. We're launching it at the end of October on 
on audio only. Good no, job. no, 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 no. We're doing, this is the plan. You want to hear the dumbest? I mean, like, I love Dopey. I think Dopey's entertaining. I think it's good. I stand by it as a quality Amazing. program. Thank you. But like our, our YouTube channel, I have this guy who wants to help me make a YouTube channel. And he's like, I will do the video, but I don't want to edit anything. So I want you to come up with something that we could do every day without putting a lot of thought into it. And I was like, all right, well, why don't we just read the daily reflection and try to make sense of it? Like the most unentertaining thing in the world, like the driest. Oh, you don't know that. It's the gaudiest. I was see yesterday we were shooting it, right? We were shooting the daily reflections and we were going to have you on. And I was going to be like, we're going to do a daily reflection with Jay Moore and all this rough star, star power on the daily reflections. But I think it has to suck. I can't. And this is a big promo for our new YouTube channel. Yeah, I was like, this is a horrible pitch. This I do. The, it's the it's the counter pitch, Jay. I, it's like. And also, what the fuck? Your name that's is also the story you tell yourself. I know. I, it's like it's like to prevent me from being disappointed if it fails, right? But you're also a Jew, so it's part and parcel. Exactly. How about yeah. more? Jay Moore, more, more, more. I didn't even figure that out until now. Oh wow, you're you're late to the pun. I'm guess. quick on the on the uptake over here. Um, what were we talking about that I wanted to ask you about? You've been around all these gigantic stars, like like basically. Yeah, you think I'd be bigger. Well, I think you're pretty big. You just came out of rehab. Give yourself a break. It's all going to be fine. Oh, thanks, puppy. Yeah, no problem. The question is, like, was, was was that crazy pressure or was that the whole, like, the double ego inferiority shit? Oh, it was huge ego inferiority, but it actually wasn't pressure because by the time you get to the star, you've been put through the ringer with some fucking mutt, like some casting director that's, like, doesn't really want to be doing casting. Like you're reading with some mope and then you read with a mope and then you read with that mope again. Right. Then you read with that mope and a couple producers. And then you read with like, you know, Christopher Walken or Tom Cruise or Al Pacino. So by the time you get to a real actor, you're like, this is going to be great. It's like if you play golf, you want to play with the club pro. Right. Okay. Moop. What's the worst? A mook, a mope or a mutt? What's the worst a one? Mutt, a fucking mutt. Get that mutt the fuck away from me. A mope, I think, is the second place. And a mook is just, you see them every day. You're like, why are you talking that guy? He's a mook. The mook is this fucking guy. Right. It's just he's the mook. But yeah. if, if, if you're talking to a mutt, it's like, don't talk to him. He's a fucking mutt. Right. A mutt sickens you. Okay. <laughs> like he's a fucking mutt. Like Pesci and Goodfellas. Yeah. Motherfucking mutt. Yeah. He, I mean, they killed the mutt. <laughs> Yes. Billy Bats was a made mutt. Dude, did you watch this fucking, uh, and this might get controversial, did you watch the prequel to The Sopranos? Not yet. I want to. I need to hear your opinion. I'm not going to ruin okay. you with my opinion. Cause like, I'm going to watch it. Wait here. Yeah, go watch it. I'll, <laughs> you hear, I'll, hear footsteps. I'll, you hear the car. I'll stay here. I'll stay right here. You um, hear like somebody robbing my apartment. Now, the cr- you, hear, you hear Russians. Yeah. You hear Russians robbing my place. You hear my dogs get killed. And an hour, 45 minutes later, I go, all right, hey, what at? Hey, I'm back. What did you think? Um, what was I going to say? Uh, my dog's dead. The currency, the old currency of Dopey is the fucking, the Dopey story. Like the yeah. fucked up drug story. Do you have, and I haven't asked anybody for a fucked up drug story in a while, but you're just a, a very gifted storyteller. So I wanted to see if you have one. Well, I, I mean, I told too. you know, my intervention was a good story. Oh, and, come on. Know, Give me a drug story where you're all fucked up. Uh, well, I used in isolation, so it was pretty much me alone, right. you know, just punching my clown until the sun came up. 
But, uh, you know, as it says in the big book, I admitted to God, myself, and another human being the exact nature of my wrong. So the big ones are going to go down with me, my sponsor, and God into my grave. But um, I'm trying to think, like, really just the places I would leave to go get high. Like, it was so obvious. You're going to be disappointed, but I already gave you the jerking off story. There's no the, disappointment. This is all good, Jay. As an Jay. exclusive. I gave you an exclusive. I, I'm so jerk, honored. Getting caught yeah. jerking off Are the story. <laughs> I, um, I, they, they, the places I would leave to get high, it was just absurd. Like, I could be courtside at a Laker game, and it'd be like, where the fuck does this guy keep going? And that's, these are all ambiguous answers, but um, when I, you know, this isn't really something I did. But I'm trying to think, man. Did I you get high with it. Farley at all or no? No, no. He was stone cold sober the two years I was there. Wow. He told me once, he said his addictions were like three columns. It was food, drugs, and alcohol, and women. And he pushes two columns down, the other one skyrockets. Right. Pushes that one down, the other two come up. And it was like a constant game of whack-a-mole for him. Did you he feel like it was similar? I ever met. Did you feel like it I was never, similar yeah. for you? Well, not no. Well, two columns, yeah, but it was girls and drugs. You know, the thing about Adderall is it makes your dick soft and makes you a pussy addict at the same time. So you go around town slinging a fucking rope uphill everywhere you go, but you obsessively pursue. You're just this pleasure-seeking missile. <laughs> so you go see like a prostitute and it doesn't work. So you're like, no, I'm not here for that. I'm just here to cuddle. So you spend thousands of dollars just cuddling with somebody watching MASH. Now, when I heard you talk about sex addiction and you don't think you had it, what do you think the no. difference between compulsive sexual shit and sex addiction is? Well, I'm not a doctor, and I don't know what's good for me, so I don't know what's good for you or your listeners. I have to put that addendum on there. I but with me, I, I really had to examine it because it was a problem until like a couple months ago where between my ears, it was an obsessive thought. Like, oh, 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 oh. And you go to meetings, and you're like, I mean, you go to a meeting, and a woman stands up and goes, I'm Mary, I'm a sex addict. And you go, Who, what's that now? What's going on? Right. Like, that's... That's not what you're there for. Um, and then you're like, maybe I'll go to a Sex Addicts Anonymous meeting, but you're going to go there to see if you can get laid. That's that's, right. that's not good. Slaw. You ever been to Slaw? That's, what? It's oh, called no. Sex no. and Love Addicts Anonymous. Slaw. Yeah, no, I know that. I, I researched it, and then the obsession had been lifted by then. And oddly, what happened was my girlfriend basically – publicly claimed me like on social media like this is the love of my life nice. and then it was just like that's that was the missing piece right then it was like everyone else can go fuck themselves if you're gonna bet on me you're gonna win like i, I just i didn't act on it and like honestly between us girls i don't even like jerk off anymore because if that's part of my um addiction of making bad decisions right it's and part of your that that, that that quick, like, self-satisfaction. It's like, for what? Because after we all come, we're like, uh, I got to wash my hands now. I got to get up or I got to sleep with cake <laughs> on my stomach. Yes. I made pancakes. This yes. is nasty. So, so not jerking off is part of your program. Yeah, like, I slip sometimes, but it's it's just, 
I got news for you. It's a lot easier because that's self-gratification. That's me feeding my ego and my wants. If I turn my day over to God as I understand them and I act on behalf of the greater good and I'm of service to others, I don't really think about jerking off and I don't think about going on Pornhub or whatever and watching like cuckold amateur, yes, you know, cream pie gangbang, yes, you know, whatever. Uh huh. And it's like, you know, there's a prayer, God, let me go where you want me to go. Let me see who you want me to see. Let me say what you want me to say. Then help me get out of my way. Amen. Dude. And it's like, God don't want me to see this shit and do this to myself and say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me ask you something, because you're dropping some serious AA spirituality. Oh, I work it, dude. From the moment I wake up all damn day. That's why I was really excited to do the podcast. Are, are you disappointed that I, that I haven't been kicking my own spiritual stuff? I'm just asking you about drug stories and jerking off. Have I no, disappointed you, Mr. Moore? No. All right, good. Jesus, take it easy. All right, I know. I fucking, I'm like... And you kind of set me up to be knocked down, too. Like you were thumbs up, thumbs down like Gladiator for a second there. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, take your shot. No, what I want to know is um, when you first got sober and you're going to AA in 98, did this spiritual shit speak to you in the same way? No, because I did not work a program. I just showed up, and then I couldn't wait to share because I wanted people to like me. And then I went home and I did exactly what I was doing. You know, Albert Einstein's got that great quote, the consciousness with the problem can't be the consciousness to solve Slow the problem. Slow down. What, what is that quote? I don't understand what you're saying. The consciousness with the problem cannot be the consciousness to solve the problem. So my problem was me. I am the problem. Acceptance is the answer to all my yes. problems today. So... If, if I'm giving my day over to my higher power and I'm of service to the group, other people in my program, if I wake up and call other addicts in the morning, if I go to my meeting early, if I make the coffee or I help set up chairs, if I sign court cards, whatever commitment I have, if I then, then I meet new people with other new commitments, then I go to another meeting and I do it again. That's 15 new friends every week. Listen, but this is so, very, this is very serious. This is very serious. Well, what was the question? I, no, I no, no, the question. no, 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 no. I, I, I don't know. I think you answered the question, but the next question. Oh, I, don't, I have that spirituality. No, because I never worked a program. But now with the gift of desperation at 50 years old, being in a fucking intervention and going to rehab where there's no string in my pajamas in case I hang myself. Right. There's no laces in my shoes. I can't have soft drinks. I can only have what they serve me. I'm surrounded by fucking drug addicts and addicts that were homeless and wiping their ass with a Burger King wrapper like four days ago. And yes. they're complaining because the quiche looks too much like a frittata. <laughs> like you just fucking, you used to drink your own piss out of a Mountain Dew bottle and now you're a fucking master chef. Come on. But I'm just like them because my life got that fucking stupid too. So I decided I'm going to be completely willing and I'm also going to be a believer that is, if you did you go to college? Yes. Okay, where'd you go? I went to SUNY Purchase. Nice. Yeah. My buddy Adam went up there. He's still a good anyway. Uh it's home of the Knicks practice site, baby. Not so anymore. They're in Tarrytown now. But we're gonna get to the Knicks at the end of this thing. Keep going. Okay. Julius Randall, baby. Um, so when you went to college, yeah. and any of your listeners that went to college, you believed that your professor knew what the fuck he was talking about and you wanted the degree in mm -hmm. what he taught. So if he told you this is the assignment, you went home, you went home and you did the assignment. If he told you I can give you extra credit if you also do this, you did that. 
I approached AA the same way. I believe that the people that were sober 20, 30 years knew what the fuck they were talking about. If they told me, you know, you have to, uh, you know, you go be a greeter today, go down there and shake hands with everybody as they come into the meeting. I did it because that's what they told me to do and they have more time than me. So I just approached it like that. At my intervention day, one of my friends said, you admitted to me you never gave 100% of anything. Let it be this. And a light bulb went off in my head in my intervention. Like, I can do that because have, yeah. I'm, com I'm competitive. If I got to be sober, I am going to out-sober all you motherfuckers. <laughs> Kiss my dick. Kiss my sober fucking ass, right? Kiss my sober dick in a bag filled with baby dicks as I poke a hole through the bottom to rub them with mine because I'm going to out-sober you. And if you don't believe me, thanks. I'll see you when we die. We'll see who won. We'll see who's more sober when we're dead, you fucker. Right. right. So I fill my day with this program because I want to be free. I was a prisoner of fucking drugs. I quit drinking in 98. I got sober in 2021. That's 23 years of doing it my way. And it led to a goddamn intervention, detox, two rehabs, and humiliation. So my way doesn't work. I gave it 23 fucking years of doing it JJ's way. Right. JJ's way is fucking retarded. And I use that word properly. Yes. Fucking. I, I'm with you. Did, did, did I, I see one of the things that I went through and I still go through, like I'll go to a meeting and I'll talk about God and I need to put myself down as I talk about God. Cause it seems so alien to me and I have six years, you know, and I, I get uncomfortable when I go full board and I'm scared I'm full of shit and I'm scared I'm playing a part and I'm scared it's not real and I'm scared I'm not being myself. You know what I mean? Like I'm scared I'm doing these two things at the same time. Uh, I do know what you mean. Do you I ever, feel that way too. So how do you, how do you, cause you're so full board, you know, you know, every fucking myself. prayer, you know, it's amazing. I act, well, I was given a list of prayers by my sponsor <laughs> and he told me to memorize them. So I memorized them. Right. Uh, I act myself into the next thought. I don't think myself into the action. So if I feel like a because I'll be honest with you, there's times where I'm like, it's particularly with spirituality. I'm like, I don't stay spiritually connected all fucking day. You can't. And when I, I agree. But when I have that thought, I reconnect. And I'm like, well, I'm only reconnecting because I had that thought. I'm like, well, now I'm in my own head. And one of the prayers is, my creator, I'm now willing that you have all of me, the good and the bad. Right. So I'm going to believe that to be true. He can take these fucking thoughts and do with them what he wants. This is me. This is the bad. So just the act of being willing is enough, I realize. Like, if, look, this is a weird story, but it, it pays off. I used to live in Malibu on the beach when I was high. Like I was a fucking baller. I would wake up, take my paddleboard out and fish for my lunch and catch calico bass. It was the best. Every day I was on a paddleboard for three hours fishing, standing up on a paddleboard like a fucking Tom Sawyer. It was great. Uh -huh. One day, you know, but I lost a lot of fishing rods, eating shit on the way in, trying to surf on a paddleboard. So I asked my next door neighbor if I could use her fishing rod. She hands me like a $200 fucking deep sea rod. She goes, don't lose it. Sure enough, I'm coming in. I eat shit. I fucking lose her fishing rod. She's on her patio watching me. This lady was a billionaire. Right. And I'm like, fuck, I got to go. I, at least I got to look like I'm looking for this fucking fishing rod. I'm never going to find it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm out there in water up to my chest behind these fucking rocks, ducking for cover when a wave comes. 
and I'm scooching around with my feet looking for the fishing rod. And I'm like, I'll do it for like a half hour. So she really sees how hard I'm looking for her fishing rod. Guess what? I was acting like I was looking for it, was looking for it. I love that. I'm in the water with my feet on the bottom looking around. And the only reason I'm doing it is because she's looking at me. And she's like, she starts calling out like, stop looking. I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to keep looking. And then I'm like, where the fuck did the fishing rod go? So I just do what I'm supposed to be doing. And then I let my imposter syndrome go to God. Right. How and how how is it working out? Like, how hard is it to do that on a daily basis? How often do you feel like this is bullshit? Uh, and then you double down. Like, does that happen a lot? Oh, uh, it happened a lot in the beginning and pretty much only with happens with uh, the spirituality. I don't meditate as much as I should. Um, what do you do you for know, meditation? I, I just have a phrase I say to myself. And I just say that over and over and over and over. What's and the phrase? I just do acceptance. Acceptance is everything, right? Acceptance is totally everything. I, that's my. That's whenever I have a problem and I go to my sponsor, he's like, "You're not in acceptance." Every every fucking thing, and it's like the only way we can cease fighting is if we find acceptance. That's it. We we surrender to win. If I have a resentment at the end of the day, if I really am honest with myself, and it is a program of rigorous honesty, the reason I am unhappy is because I didn't get my way. Period. Period. Somebody fucking speaks to me a certain way and it bothers me. I don't like how they spoke to me. I would rather if they, my way would be this way. That's not how the fucking world works. But it's also like, the world doesn't conspire against you like some people share about. Like, the world's a big golf course. When you play golf and hit your fucking shot from uh, the rough onto the green and it rolls off the green and down a fucking hill and into the water, you don't go, that fucking golf course, fuck me. It saw me coming. It came up with a plan. You just hit the ball wrong. See, show up again, and you try to hit it better the next time. Dude, I really, really appreciate that. And uh, I really appreciate your time. This was awesome. Except at page 417, I used to think being an alcoholic would be the worst thing to happen to a nice guy like me. I've learned it's the greatest thing ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me. And if I don't know what's good for me, I don't know what's good for you. Well, where is that from? That, is me. that in the book That's or did you just book, say that? Yeah. No, it's page 416 or page 417. Do you think your actor skills, not faking, but memorizing helps you with this stuff? I think more my insecurity of being caught short. Like when my sponsor said, have you memorized the 12 steps? I'm like, not yet. And then it was like two weeks of like, fuck, he's going to ask me again. Was your, is your sponsor want... an actor or no? No, he's a cowboy. Well, wow, Cowboy Dan, shout out to the old Cowboy Dan. I think I've heard of Cowboy Dan. He's a legend. Yeah, in his man. Own mind. Dude. I bring him on the road with me, too. When I'm on the road, I travel with a sober companion. Like, I'm, not, I'm doing it by the book. I'm going to do every fucking thing they tell me is a good idea. All and right. I, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. Like, everyone in AA that says their life has never been better, they can't all be lying. It's impossible. It's like a ghost story. Of the billions of ghost stories, Somebody saw some fucking creepy thing holding a lantern going, whoa, I don't know if it looks like Zoso, Led Zeppelin, like I just pictured it in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but they can't all be lying. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying when I tell you my fucking life 
when I make an amends to somebody and go, this is my pardon and I'm sorry, will you forgive me for what I've done and how can I make it up to you? It's like the stock market. My life goes up. When I ask God to relieve me of my shortcomings, entitlement, secrecy, pettiness, jealousy, sloth, avarice. When I ask him that, my day, like today I'm on fucking roller skates. It's fantastic. Because if my son woke me up at six in the morning with a stomach ache, and I'm like, this is great. I'll just stay awake, get him to school, and I'll just fucking bang, bang out the stuff. And, you know, it, I, I'm not lying. You know me. You know me as well as you know me in this conversation. You know I'm talking the real deal. I'm not. I'm telling the truth when the more I work a program, because you hear newcomers go like, ah, it doesn't work for me. Hey, asshole, it doesn't work for anybody. You work for it. Right. You fucking mook. You fucking you mutt. <laughs> you, no, not a mutt. I like, mook, they, call they, him a mutt. Fuck him. I'm sorry. No, because a mutt's fucking never coming your way. A mutt ain't reclaimed or like, he's better now. Like, Billy Bats was never going to un-fucking be killed. Right. With you. You fucking mope or you fucking mook. It doesn't work for anybody. You work for it. And I swear to God, if there's a newcomer listening, if you just get over yourself and stop clinging to this fucking idea that you want it your way, let me just do a little weed. Let me just do this. All you have to lose is your fucking addiction. Get it through your fucking head. If you actually are honest and you do what you are told, your life will become fantastic. This is not a cult. I don't get a fucking dime for saying this. My job as a recovering addict is to carry the message to an alcoholic or an addict. And I'm telling you the fucking truth. I got my career back. I got my girlfriend back. I got my son back. I got my family back. Than, I got my family back from just doing this. I got this. your family back too. You know, it's fucking. I got, I got your family back too, Dave. Well, I appreciate that, Jay. And, and like, <laughs> no, but the fucked up thing is right. Like I, I never was in AA. I, I got into it uh, this last time because I was so fucking miserable and obsessed. And I heard rarely have we seen someone you probably know it better than I do. Rarely have we seen someone thoroughly follow this path. Follow our path. Right. Yeah. But, and, but you know what Bill W's uh, only regret in the big book was, was that he didn't write always. I thought he did. And then they got annoyed with it and they changed it. They made him change it. And yeah. like, that was the one thing that bothered him. What about Bill Wilson because, and LSD, Jay Moore? I don't know. It's first time hearing about it and whatever, whatever. Hey, if there's no one way to greatness. Greatness is the way. Dude, you've got one for but I use I use everything alcoholically. I use relationships. I use fucking fishing, athletics. I'm a wrestling coach. I'll fucking use that. I'll, I will fucking use everything alcoholically. Right. So what I've chosen to do is choose to use my program the same way I chose drugs. And I just pour all of my fucking energy into my program. Dude, you're, I mean, this is very serious. This is a very serious conversation. You've, well, Tracy Morgan will tell you he can still rock the mic, goddammit. Jay Moore will get you pregnant. Very Dan. good. Very Jay good. Jay Moore will get you pregnant, Dave. He'll get you boy pregnant out your butthole, baby. What, yeah. What's your favorite impression you do? Pacino. Let me, let me, let's hear a little Pacino before you go, please. Here's Pacino as my sponsor. Maybe you should redo your fucking gratitude list and include God because without him, you are a fucking junkie sucking dick in a truck. <laughs> Why don't you confess that? <laughs> I'm starting laughing. Sorry. It's good, man. You are powerless over alcohol and your life has become 
unmanageable, you cunt. You cunt. You fucking mook. Dude, so like how much you, you want to be a mutt? Keep drinking. How much you want to be a fucking mook? Keep, I'm sorry. How much are you going to put? How much of the recovery are you going to put in your act? Like what, what do you, what do you expect? Like what's next for, for Jay Moore straight out of rehab? Tell me what's well, I'm, next. I'm talking about it out of like an hour. I do like 20 minutes about recovery, but it's all hilarious. Um, and I'm just, I think the, well, as I said, I think my higher power is like, do you think or do you know, don't fucking be around the bush. Eventually it'll be like a show for like Netflix, just about recovery. I love but it. The way to do that is I just construct it like Voltron. Yes. Just like Transformers. I just keep piecing the fucking robots together until it's one big robot. Have you watched Wu-Tang and American Saga yet? No. Dude, he, they put it together like Voltron as well. Your fake uh, intervention guy. So check Riz that out. Riz is the Rizzerector. If you're doing a Wu-Tang draft and you have the first overall pick, who are you taking? The Rizza. You are my fucking spirit animal. Dude. What am I going to do? Rizza, Rizza I don't know. put the you whole thing the together. Let's say ODB. I'm like, good luck with that crew getting the gigs on time. <laughs> well, the Rizza. Jimmy, Jimmy, y'all. Jimmy, Jimmy. I love ODB, but you have to pick the Rizza because he's the architect. You got to take the Rizza Richter. Then you got to get the genius after that. You take the genius after that? I love Ghostface. I got a soft spot for Ghostface. You got to watch the show. Watch American Saga. Is it on Netflix? It's know? on Hulu. Hulu? Yeah. You can use my you can use my account, but I'm straight. You can use my account. It's a total heterosexual Hulu account. I All right. What about the Knicks, though? All right. Well, where are we at? You're a sports guy. You have a, you have a whole sports career. Where are we at with this thing? What's your pick? Sports career. You were in high school. Relax. No, but you had a sports radio career. I did. Yeah. Uh, the Knicks are in great shape. Thibodeau's a great coach. He's not running them into the ground. I don't know if you added enough pieces that you needed in uh, free agency. But Julius Randle's the Laker. I wish I could have back, boy. But, Ooh, dude, did him in the fucking playoffs, he was just dribbling the ball off his foot. He's throwing the Look ball the away. Numbers. His playoff numbers are pretty fucking good. It's he, just he was so sensational in the regular season. He really him was. Coming, him coming back to all-star levels seemed like a precipitous drop. Julius Randle is the least of your fucking worries. Why don't you look at Knox and his crazy eyes? Knox isn't coming back. What do you think? Do you think uh, Kyrie Irving's going to get the vaccine? I think he's a fucking, that is a fucking mope. He's a mope. Mook, mutt, or mope, he's a, a mope. This is a fun game, mook, mope, or mutt. Yeah, I think we could do something with this. <laughs> the fact that this motherfucker is not going to play in 44 games because he can't play at Golden State either. How about Ben Simmons, mook, mutt, or mope? He's a mutt. How about Max Kellerman? Mook, Mutt, like or Max Mook? I like Max a lot. I love Max Kellerman. I went to you high school. Max's, I went to high school Max's with him. Name. You keep Max's name out of your whore mouth. He, he, I went to high school with him. Max is a good boxer. He'll fuck you up. Yeah, no shit. Um, dude, Jay Moore, thank you for coming on. Uh, I would love it if you did a daily reflection with us. Will you do one eventually? Yeah. What is it uh, today? We can't because I don't have my camera guy here. Oh, I think maybe you should get a uh, video guy that's more willing to do what you want to do. Maybe that's the answer to your problems. No, this guy's really, really cheap. He's doing everything for free. He, he's, he's is amazing. That all your is that all you people have to think that's about? That's all my people care about. No, this is the beginning. We're, we're starting something, Jay. All right, good. Yeah, I'd love to do it. I'll do it tomorrow. If you want. Next Friday, we'll do it. Next Friday. I'll, I'm I'll gonna... be in Florida, so I'll be on your timetable, so it might work out. When are you back in New York? 
uh, I don't know, but I'm going to be in Panama City, Florida at Harpoon Harry's. Wow. Next uh, Friday, Saturday. Then two weeks after that, I'm in at Side Splitters in Tampa. Or you go to jmore.com. All my dates are up there. You know, but I would love to do a daily reflection with you, it, brother. It'll be super fun. In 1992, you were on lip service on MTV. And I yeah. was an intern at MTV at Like We Care. So that was like next door to lip service back oh, then. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you were wow. successful and I was not. And I became a heroin addict for 12 years and you became a big movie star. But I also became a junkie just like you, buddy. Dude, you're the man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I cannot thank you enough. Buddy, it was my pleasure. Stay in touch and text me your address. I'll get a book out to you. Yeah, and I want to I want to hook you up with that uh, with the Adderall book. Attention, and you should, a love story. Yeah, attention, a love story. And you should. I want to be on your call list, Jay Moore. Call me. I'd love to be okay. a, be a support in any way Done. I can be. I'll call you tomorrow. All right, Jay. Thank you so much. See man. you, D. Right Peace. Later. All right, that was Jay Moore, and he called me. I'm on his call list. It was awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed his honesty. He was fucking brave. He he said shit that most people aren't willing to say. And for that, we applaud Jay Moore. Very nice. And look for maybe look for more Jay Moore in the future. You never know. Now, I love getting emails from you guys. I love getting voicemails from you guys. So before I read this email that I got from a guy who calls himself the Morphiad, I implore you to please send in dopey emails. Send us dopey stories and voicemail. If you're brave, send in a video. That'd be fucking awesome. We're going to be doing more video. There's a YouTube channel being launched. There's video on Patreon. Send in a voicemail, a video, an email, or all three. Maybe a video of you recording a voicemail while writing an email. Maybe that could be something. But here we go. This is a blast from the past. Jay Moore revealed that he was a poet and uh, we were trying to launch something called Dopey Poetry Corner, and I got this email, and I'm going to read it. It's from a guy, again, called The Morphiad, and he says, Hey, Dave, here's a contribution for the Dopey Poetry Corner, with hats off to Nick Flynn and all the other beat, Burroughs-esque, literate, neurotic, and complex, down, and dopey, junkie poets out there in the Dopey Nation. Below is a sonnet I wrote in college while addicted to smack. The sonnet is a poem with 14 lines as well as a specific rhyme scheme and number of syllables per line. Some real Shakespearean shit. I'm going to fuck up reading this thing. I'd be glad for you or a guest to read this email and poem on the show. Please keep up the righteous work. It is inspiring to know you are staying strong and tootling on after all that drugs have taken and have tried to take from you in your life. You really fought back and did something good. Sincerely, the Morphiad. Thank you, Morphiad. And now on with the poem. It's called Morpheus's Cave. And forgive me if I do not read this with the right uh, iambic, uh, what's it called? Iambic, uh, with the right iambic pentacular. <laughs> what is it what's it called? Iambic, iambic pentacular. What is it? Pentameter. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Iambic pentacular. <laughs> I, what is it? Iambic pentameter. The right iambic pentameter. The I, and look for the iambic pectacular coming soon. Here we go. Morpheus's cave. Morpheus's cave. 
I bent my fate and spoon and lay me down in beds of ebony and poppy flower, in twilight sleep where all life's endless hours were plunged and flushed away, then washed, then drowned. No wish, no devil's deal, nor angel's song could slake, seduce, enslave me with such power. To crush all former pleasures into powder, forsake all treasures, forget right from wrong. But tides recede, the highs concede to low, the waves withdraw, leaves me beached, marooned, or desert shorts, desert shorts, or desert shores, I wander with the moon. From crave to cave, each evening burning slow, so Morpheus, I took your curse in vain. You boiled my dreams and ate them with a spoon. Wow. Hold on. Let me give the eld. Morphiad, where have you been? Look at him with the fucking uh, dopey poetry corner. The iamic pentameter coming through. All right. So dopey poets out there, it's time to jump on the bus. And I know that fuck Carnif is out there in Canada willing to go, ready to go crazy that I couldn't pronounce uh, iambic uh, pentameter. Right, Carnif? You fuck. I hope you're still sober, Carnif. Carnif just celebrated a little bit of sober time. We're very happy for him. We love Carnif on the Dopey Show. Now, this is not really related, but I don't know if you guys know this, that the new Matrix is coming out, and they don't have, uh, what's-his-face, Lawrence Fishburne in it as Morpheus. Seems like the most disappointing thing in the world to me. I don't know how I'm going to live with that. In other big news, tonight, I mean, it's not tonight for you, but tonight is a big night for me because I'm watching the Knicks preseason. Knicks are 2-0 and so far. Everyone's shooting the lights out. And not only that, the new Wu-Tang and American Saga comes out tonight. Amazing. And if you're really, really curious, we have new shit coming in. Dopey Socks should be here in 10 days. We're starting a collaboration with a candle company, and candles should be dropping very soon. Very exciting stuff in the doposphere. And that was Sam, if you were wondering, who was trying to correct me on my ambic pentameter pronunciation. So, Sam, do you want to add anything to this before we go? Hello? I'm not here. You yes, don't want, I'm here. Do you want to add anything before we go? No, I, well, I do. I just want to shout out to my Dodgers uh, for tying up the uh, uh, divisional series with the Giants. Thank you. Are Thank they still you. around? Still around. Going to a game five. Wow. Which, is gonna be, which I do believe is going to be Thursday the day before the show drops. So uh, we're either going to celebrate on Friday or uh, commiserate in uh, their loss, but also a spectacular season. They tied the franchise record for the most wins. Uh, and ironically, they were a game out of the San Francisco Giants who uh, beat their mark for the most wins in a single season with 107. Dodgers had 106. Now they both have 109 going into the fifth and final deciding game. So, I'm, I'm all riled up. I love my fucking Dodgers. Love baseball. Love postseason pro sports, anything, but especially Dodgers when they're, when they're still in it. I have, no idea what you, I have no idea what you just said. It made no sense to me at all. What did you just say? Say it again. Uh, the, the Dodgers? <laughs> no. 
Fuck it. It was very, it was, it was expansive information. Will we say that we will know more because more will be revealed? More is more. So thank you, Sam. You did an amazing job on this show, as you always do. Thanks. It's always a pleasure. Is it always a pleasure? No. It, 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 it's, 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 a, it's both. It's, it's pleasure and pain. It's like, thanks. It's rarely a pleasure. And thank <laughs> you, Dopey Nation, for tuning in week after week. So keep your fucking heads up. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. I want to take a walk around the world I wonder would it do me any good Until I get some money in my pocket Then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood But I want to be good so bad I want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desires, all I ever had. And I want to take a ride up in the sky. Watch this airplane just pass me by. And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive. Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive. But I want to be good so bad. Want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand And I wonder would they pay it any mind Leave this busted city far behind I'll take the high road However far it winds Because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find And I wanna be good so bad Wanna be good so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And I want to call my dad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had